Welcome back. This is episode five, You Are Not Alone. And today, this episode is actually launching in the middle of Suicide Prevention and Awareness Week. So I thought it was the perfect opportunity to talk about that. But if we're going to talk about suicide prevention and suicide awareness, we need to talk about what happens before that. We need to talk about something that one out of three people struggle with, and that's depression. We're also going to talk about anxiety. Those are really the only two that I'm going to talk about in depth today because they're the only two that I have personal experience with. So of course you have bipolar and all kinds of other things that come into play. And I hope that if nothing else, you take away a sense of peace from this episode. If you struggle with one of these things because I know that before I got to a good place, the place where I am now, I feared these things about myself. They had control and they were in the driver's seat of my life. I feel like they were directing me, were controlling me, and were scaring the shit out of me. And while that's something that I didn't talk about at that time, I can talk about it now. I can share it now. I can help. That's how we create awareness, guys. We talk about things. We don't, you know, keeping them inside, it doesn't really help you. And it certainly doesn't help anybody else. But what I learned when I started sharing these things was that we all feel alone. We all feel so alone in it when it's heavy on us, when it's happening, when we're in the bottom of that well. We feel like we're the only person down there. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like no one could possibly understand how hard it is for you? Nobody could possibly understand what you're dealing with. And can I also tell you that this shit can happen to you when your life is good? You've got the job, the family, the life. Things should be good and happy and you just can't get there. That's depression. That's anxiety. It attacks you whether shit is good or bad. It doesn't care. It's always there. And in my 20s, I was trying to be like everybody else, you know, I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be unique. And I also thought that if I needed help, that I was weak. I remember the first time I went to therapy, I felt like a failure. I felt weak and I wish that I could go back and hug that person and tell them that they were doing strong things, that they were doing hard things. Can I tell you that it takes more strength to ask for help than it does to keep drowning? I need you to look at it a different way. I need you to know that your life is worth fighting for always. And that means that you have to know that what's going on in your head 
isn't necessarily the truth. I didn't have the skills, the knowledge, the self-love, the grace to talk myself out of all those things. I thought that they were true and they very much became my reality because I believed that they were. And that happens and maybe you've been there too. But there's beauty in that. I want you to realize that because if you can imagine bad things and bad things happen as a result of that, that you can also imagine good things and good things can come from that too. And that is possible, but we have to understand and accept these things about ourselves. You will never get to a place where you're okay with yourself if you're constantly hating on it. So you've got depression, so you've got anxiety. Guess what? So does everybody else. Have you been out there? And more and more you're hearing of it. I'm seeing all over Facebook right now, Robin Williams and all these quotes about depression being shared. And I love that, but it's not just him. But he's such a powerful example because he's hilarious. He was funny. You would have never thought. You would have never thought. And it shocked so many people. And what people don't understand is when you are hurting and when you are dying inside and when you hate everything about you, you need to make people laugh. You need to laugh. You need to show them this other piece of you so that they don't see what's behind the curtain. I have lived that truth. That has been my life. So I get it. I wasn't at all surprised. I was sad, but I wasn't surprised. Guys, this shit doesn't care who you are or what you have going on. Like I said, it hits you all the time. And when your life is going good and it happens, I think sometimes that's even worse because I will sit there and be able to tell myself, like, you have no reason to not want to get out of bed today. And yet, for the life of me, I can't force myself to get out of bed. Have you ever been there? Talk about fucking with your head. My goodness. I also want to share something that, so I've been struggling this week, (laughs) like no lies, struggling. It's been a week and a half since I put out an episode, almost two weeks. I took the holiday week off, but I think it was, I don't know, sometime last week I told my husband I got a new, um, so this sounds like a good episode (laughs) to just open up this can of worms. I haven't really talked about it yet, but I have a medical marijuana card and so I medicate with cannabis and I have a couple different methods that I use to medicate and I just started a new one last week and it's been really helpful so I thought well I'll stop taking my pills I take a pill every morning I take two pills every morning when I wake up I take my allergy pill that is without fail I am struggling this week with my allergies anybody else Fall seems to be so much worse for me than spring. But anyways, oh, that's why I sound a little funny, 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 funny today. 
So I take my daily allergy pill and I take a daily THC pill. And what I'm currently taking is nine milligrams of Blue Dream. It's a specific strain that is good for anxiety and depression and mood. And I take that daily and I take it every morning whenever I wake up before my workout. And so I don't even really notice how much it helps me. And I promise there's a point to this. And so I told my husband that I was going to stop taking them because I didn't think I needed them anymore because I was doing really well, right? Here's, here's, the, here's the kicker. I was doing really well. So I thought, well, maybe I don't need them. Well, I don't remember the last time that I took one, but I'll tell you, I've been struggling all week. So much so that I've even been venting to friends that I don't normally, like that's not normally something that I do. And that is one of the first signs of when my depression and my anxiety are getting bad. I don't even realize it. I didn't even realize it was what I was doing this morning, but it's my way of reaching out. It's my way of reaching out for help throwing out a hand and saying, I'm struggling. I need someone to remind me that I'm worth it. I need someone to reel me back in the game because I'm starting to slide down that well. That still happens to me. I'm never going to be fixed. I want you to understand that, that this is a lifetime chemical imbalance that I need to learn how to deal with. My 30s are so much better than my 20s. And I think the main thing about that, I mean, I've done a shit ton of work and I'm a completely different person. But what the work has taught me is how to handle myself instead of trying to change who I am. And that's been life-changing. Learning how to handle me, handle my depression, handle my anxiety, instead of trying to pretend it didn't exist much better solution, much better results. So I saw a post on Facebook today of someone sharing that they were doing so well, so they stopped taking their CBD about a month ago. And our husbands, if you're married, they know us. And he asked her what was up, if any, what was up with her lately? And she like lashed out about all the stuff like happening and going on, right? Just just like we do. That sounded so familiar. And then it hit her and she didn't even realize it. It was, it was the lack of CBD. Like it was all starting to come back slowly. You don't realize it all at first. And then something happens and it just starts spiraling. And sometimes it gets so far away from us that we're like, fuck that. Might as well just ride this sucker down the fucking hill, right? No, no. So I said, holy shit, Melissa. You've been like a hormonal crazy person these last couple days. You've wanted to run away. You're just, you're, you're hating everything. Like, and I was like, you haven't had your meds. You haven't had your pills. And this, I share this because this is something that I used to do in my 20s. I took psych meds. For all of you who would want to recommend those for me, I tried lots. I've taken several. And while I will say there are points in my life where they definitely did help me, they all took something from me. There was always a side effect or something that I had to deal with in addition to them on what they were doing. 
some were better than others. Some were awful. I would never take again. But this method, the cannabis, is my preferred. I got my medical card. I'm not going to open up this whole can of worms. That will be a different issue. But I, I will share this because it's relevant to the topic. And I'm also a fan of CBD. CBD is legal all over the United States. But I will say this. Please do your research. Because CBD is legal, you can buy it anywhere. And I want to make sure you are getting good quality products. One, so you get the actual results and the help. But so you also know if it works for you and you, you can trust that. So I, I have someone who I go through for CBD. She does ship all over. You can get in touch with me if you'd like. So you can try CBD if that's what you want to try. If you're in a state where they have the medical marijuana license and program, you can try that. Um, also, with the medical card, you can get combinations of CBD and THC products, which are really helpful as well. Yeah, I mean, just talk to your doctor and see. Step one is talking to your doctor and seeking help. Whether it's medication that comes from a psychiatrist or your doctor in script form, or if you choose to go herbal natural. I don't care. I really don't. This is you and your life that you have to live. Personally, for me, this is my choice. I'm good with it. I'll tell you guys that my husband is on Zoloft. I use cannabis. He uses prescription meds. They're helping us both. So I'm not here to tell you one way is better than the other. I'm here to tell you either way, just pick one. Just pick one and start somewhere. Try it. Uh, I will tell you that most of the meds have a genetic, uh, words are hard. If it works for someone in your family, it's more likely to work for you. So if you have someone in your family who has who has taken any psych meds, if they have any psych issues, if they have taken medication that has been helpful for them, that's what you should try first. So if you're attempting meds for the first time, you may have to talk to your family. And I'll tell you guys, if you're the millennials or the Gen X um, generation, you know, our parents aren't as open about talking about feelings and depression and anxiety and therapy as we are. So just be aware of that, but ask them if anyone in the family struggles with it, deals with it, if they've taken anything that has worked for them. And that's where I would start. That's where I would start. I will say that I know I have a lot of local people. So Pennsylvania just added anxiety to the list of things that qualify you for a medical marijuana card, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. The CBD and the THC have done wonders for my anxiety and my depression. You know, the pills alone, like I can, I can't necessarily tell when I take them, but I can usually tell when I don't take them because I'm ragey. I am not in control of my emotions. And when I take the pills, I am. 
Like I still feel all the emotions. I'll still be irritated. I'll still be mad, but I can control it and keep it on lockdown where I'm not lashing out at my husband or lashing out on my children. And that's what we're talking about. I hate to tell you, but some of that might be anxiety. Anxiety is like a camouflage mistress of depression. All right. It looks different for everyone. My husband has anxiety and his anxiety looks nothing like mine. Nothing like mine. We're very open about everything. So I'm just going to go ahead and share this about him and he won't care. But his anxiety, his brain starts thinking that he's sick and it will evaluate every ache or anything, anything happening, right? So everything that's happening, oh, my stomach hurts. Oh, it's stomach cancer. And then he'll go on, you know, Google and start looking at that. And that's how his mind starts racing, right? Or he'll have an anxiety attack and he'll He'll wake, he has woken me up in the middle of the night with an anxiety attack and asked me to hold him and just hug him and like hold him close to, to calm him down. Where my anxiety attacks, I have to get away from people. I'm like, I need, I need out. My brain is like spiraling and spiraling and it's like it's on this treadmill, whereas his is going down this medical anxiety path. Mine is like, it's definitely telling me that I'm in danger. I need to get out. And I I need to get out and I need silence and I need alone and I need to run and just be away. And so when I'm spiraling, a hug would just, mm, 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 no, just no. I don't want to be touched. I want to run away and be alone. Whereas Mark needs to be held to be calmed. Even that, the way that our bodies respond to it, it's crazy. His was showing up in stomach aches. And headaches. And he was missing days from work because he was so sick with symptoms that his mind was creating from the anxiety. Anxiety. It's crazy. And it takes form in all different shapes, sizes. It's so hard to diagnose yourself because it probably doesn't look like what somebody else's anxiety looks like. My younger sister, she also has anxiety. Ours, again, look nothing, nothing at all the same. She gets anxiety about making sure everyone else is having a good time and everyone else is okay. And so she tends to take on how other people are feeling and reacting. And then her brain will take that and turn it into something that it's not. And then she starts a little obsessing about that. Does your brain take any? Does your brain do that to anything? Does your brain take something that is totally logical and turn it into something not logical and send you through this spiral? And now at the end, you're like frantic. (laughs) It's so hard to explain and describe, but I'm not a scientist. It almost feels like nervousness. Guys, I have social anxiety, which is crazy because I'm such an extrovert. And I didn't even realize it, but I was self-medicating when I was drinking. I was using the alcohol to calm the anxiety, which skyrocketed my depression. You know, for a while I said, I didn't really get anxiety until I had Elsie. And that's not entirely true. I think it got worse 
but I also didn't realize it until I quit drinking. Because when I quit drinking, I didn't have anything that was keeping my anxiety at bay anymore. And so now I had the depression and the anxiety and I'm newly sober. It was a fucking train wreck. (laughs) And what was it? Four months after I quit drinking, I started therapy. If you struggle with depression or anxiety or bipolar or any of those things, if you haven't met with a therapist or a psychiatrist, you need to. You need to. Therapy is good for everyone. Even if you just go for a couple sessions. The biggest thing about it is sometimes it just feels so good to be justified that you're not crazy. And I know that sounds a little crazy to go to a psychiatrist diagnosing you with a psych disorder or mental illness. I'm not even totally sure what they're called right now. To feel less crazy. (laughs) But for me, knowing that I'm not alone, I'm not the only one who thinks these things. I'm not the only one who's believed that my loved ones are better off without me. That I'm not the only one that has been at the bottom of that well and felt like I belonged there. Those things are so hard to think about yourself, let alone to think that you're the only scum on the planet that's thinking them. Am I right? So knowing that you're not alone is huge, is huge, and it gives you a desire to fight because you're not hopeless. You're not the only case. I can't describe it, but the accountability that I got from coaching, the community that I got from coaching, all of that, it changed everything for me. Because I was stuck in my own mind, throwing myself a continual pity party. And then I realized that I wasn't the only person dealing with this shit. And I had to suck it up and fix it. Sometimes it's coming face to face with realizing that, you know what? Yeah, you've been dealt some pretty shitty cards. You still got to play the fucking game though. Because everybody else is playing whatever hand they have to. And you don't know what's in theirs, but I'm sure that they have some shitty fucking cards too. And it helps. It helps knowing that everybody sitting at the table has shitty cards in their hand and they're still betting on themselves. They're still raising the wagers. Right? For for me, that mattered. It mattered so much knowing that I wasn't alone. And it's a big reason why I share so much of my depression, of my anxiety. I have SAD, which is seasonal affective disorder, also known as the winter blues. I get even worse in the winter when there's not as much sunlight and vitamin D. I use a light box. I use my essential oils. I use CBD. I use cannabis. I use personal development. I lean into my community and I also have people in my corner that I can send those messages and vent to 
And even if they're not the one that tell me to snap out of it, I know that if I'm venting and if I'm reaching out, then I'm really struggling. Then I'm really struggling. And that is my way of reaching out. And when I do that, it's almost like a light bulb goes off. Okay, Melissa, you're circling the drain. What's different? What are you not doing? Sometimes it's as simple as I haven't done any personal development in a couple days or a week. I notice if I'm not putting positive things in my brain on a regular basis. If you deal with anxiety or depression, you should do these things too because I don't know about you guys, but I have a voice in my head that is constantly narrating a different version of my life than what I'm actually living. That's that's what's happening. There is a narrator. My anxiety and depression is narrating my life in a different context than I'm actually living it. And that personal development helps me stay on the path of what I'm actually doing. Not what my mental illness wants me to see and wants me to believe. Does that make sense? I feel like suicide usually comes as a big shock to people. And, you know, there's always a lot of talk of why didn't they reach out or why didn't they ask for help or I had no idea. And that's what we need to work on. That's how we prevent. We need to make our society You need to make your circles a safe place for people to talk about stuff like this. And one way to do that is to talk about it yourself. I have found that just by talking about all of the issues that I have, it has helped other people come to terms with theirs. Sometimes they recognize something in their life. Sometimes they're just like, oh, thank goodness. Like, it's not just me. I can't tell you how powerful that is. But if you're keeping it all inside, you're never going to believe that because you're stuck in that mindset. You're stuck in what the anxiety or the depression or the suicidal thoughts are telling you. I used to feel broken a lot. And I hated that about myself. I was so, you know, you want to put on a brave face. It's so hard to know who's dealing with depression because we all put on this brave face. I don't know what antidepressant it is, but it's a commercial where this woman is holding this like smiley face and she just like takes it everywhere with her. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I remember like feeling like a zombie, like just going through the motions. But when I was around people, I was lively and I was funny and I was happy. And all I was feeling inside was like insecurities, like my anxiety, my depression were telling me that nobody liked me, that I was worthless, all this crap that you would never know. You would never know because I fought so hard to hide it. I used to fight to hide it all, to sweep it under the rug, to try to pretend that I was okay. And it was so fucking exhausting. I can't even tell you. Well, I can. Landed me in a psych ward and (laughs) 
and a DUI and all kinds of shit in between. It didn't get me anywhere good, that's for sure. But now I spend less energy focusing on my triggers, focusing on small things that I can do on a regular basis, habits that will help my depression and my anxiety. And most of all, realizing that it is legit and it's not that I'm broken. And even if you are in that place where you still feel broken, personally, I think the most beautiful masterpieces are the ones that were painted with broken crayons and broken pieces. But no one will ever know if you keep sweeping it under the rug. You got to talk about it because talking about it does so many things. One, it creates awareness, lets others know that, you know, they're not the only one going through it, but also that validation for you, it, it's powerful in both ways, in both ways. And maybe you don't just, hey, go to work and say, I struggle with depression. Anybody else? Like this isn't one of those cheesy commercials, but social media is a really good platform for something like this. Like a really good platform if you're on social media. It's a good place to share things like that, awareness, and you don't have to do it in a place where you're really low. Go find a good quote on Instagram and share that. I need you to think about who you feel safe talking to. And I need you to reach out. There are so many people out there who need you here. Who want you to see what they see. Right? Because we don't see what they see. The depression, the anxiety, all the struggles, they cloud our vision. And we don't see that, but they do. But here's the problem is that they don't realize that we're not seeing it. And we're so afraid to speak up. And nothing ever changes. And we feel hopeless. And we feel lost. And those suicidal thoughts get more tempting and more tempting because we believe that we're a burden on our loved ones. Whereas if we shared, you would find out the opposite. Personally, I know that there have been times where maybe I didn't want to hear good things about myself. Like there have been times where I couldn't even hear good things. And it's making me emotional because it's sad. It's sad that I was in such a low place that I didn't even want to hear anything positive. That's depression. You could also have circumstantial depression. Whereas you go through a really rough couple of fucking years and maybe you need a little extra help. Maybe it's not something you deal with for your whole life. Maybe it's PTSD. Maybe there's a trauma. I've already suggested it. I'm going to say it again. EMDR therapy is awesome for trauma. If you had a suicide in your life, 
PTSD. It's great for those things. If you don't have insurance or time or finances to actually set up and see a therapist, you can download a free app. So this is tool number one that I'm giving you guys. This app is called Youper, Y-O-U-P-E-R. And it's a free AI therapist. So artificial intelligence, it's a computer, but you can check in with it anytime you need to. And it's private and it's confident. And even when Mark was struggling like really bad with those thoughts in his head, like he was dying and he reads awful medical cases every day. He works for social security and disability cases. So he reads sad medical cases every day. So this isn't helping his anxiety, you see. But he would check in with this app several times a day to bring himself back down because he would notice himself spiraling. You notice I keep saying spiraling because I feel like that's a really good way to explain it. Do you feel like you spiral kind of out of control in your head a lot? I'm going to say chances that are, that's anxiety. Depression also has a million different shapes and sizes. And it can feel like all you want to do is sleep. Like literally, like you feel like you could sleep for a week. You could stay three days in bed and still not be enough. You just have no energy to do anything. That's kind of how I get in the winter. It's really, I used to just call off work in the winter and do nothing but lay in bed. And then around two o'clock, I would usually start drinking my boxed wine because I was a real prize peach. So don't do that. But um, the things I do now are so much better. <laughs> Obviously, that was just kind of feeding the disease. And I want you even to think about everything you do. You're either fighting the disease or fighting the cure. So which side do you want to be, which one do you want to fight, right? Because I want to fight the disease, not fight against the cure. Does that make sense? Probably not the best analogy, but whatevs, right? Chances are either you or someone you love struggles with a mental illness. And they probably don't talk about it. And I know personally, when I've been circling my own drain, when I've been thick in the suicidal thoughts or ideations, I was not reaching out. I wasn't letting anyone in. I wasn't letting anyone see. And it's like those evil voices in my head you know, I mentioned this before, they didn't want anyone to undo it because it was the absolute certainty. And I think part of it, part of me was also afraid that if I admitted it, that somebody might actually agree with me. And I don't know if I could come back from that. And that was a legitimate thought that I had. If you don't struggle with this stuff and I sound crazy, just know that maybe it is. <laughs> but 
but it was also really fucking real and really fucking hard. And so maybe if you don't struggle with it personally, you can be a safe place for those who do, which we also need. We need people who will just listen and remind us that we're worth it, that all of this is wrong, that that is not our reality, that they are not better off without us, that we are not a burden, that we are not too far broken. I remember that night that I found out that Kirk jumped off the bridge. My parents have had the same phone number my entire life and it's super easy. I'm not gonna tell it to you because (laughs) they get enough of random calls that they never answer from telemarketers, but I couldn't even remember it so that they could call my parents. Yet I remember every detail of that night. Driving home from college and grabbing the wheel of my car that my friend was driving because I realized that she was taking a different way so we wouldn't have to go under the same bridge. And I wanted to go to the bridge. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there with what was left of him. I didn't want to be in this world without him. And I need you to hear that. can't imagine that it was easy to walk up that hill and stand on that bridge and jump off. And my heart also hurts so much to think of how much pain he had to be in in order to do that. And part of my survivor guilt is that I erased a voicemail from him, I think the day before, in my dorm room. And I hadn't returned the phone call back yet. I will never know. What? that conversation would have sounded like. And that's part of the reason why I share always, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it breaks my heart. If this is the first episode that you're listening to, I'm going to tell you that the only thing that kept me from acting on my own suicidal thoughts or ideations in my really hard times in my 20s, when my depression was really bad and I saw no way out, was knowing what it would do to my family. Because I'm also someone who would do anything for those that I love. 
And I know personally what kind of heartache and what kind of breakage it leaves behind even if you don't think that it will. Your family would much rather put you in a psych ward, pay for therapy, than have to pay for a funeral and miss you forever. And if you don't agree, I need you to call someone right now. I need you to just tell them to listen to this podcast and tell them you need them to be your person to pull you out. You don't even have to say it. You can send them to this, send them the episode, save this one in your back pocket for a rainy day. But just know that no matter how hard this fight is, I need you to keep fighting it. And you're going to, it's always going to be a fight. I'm sorry to tell you, but You better get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's what growth is. That's what this life is. And it can be really hard at times. But I don't want it to be lonely. It's going to be hard. I get that. That's just how it is. But you don't have to do it alone. Not only are you not alone in the feelings, in the well, But you don't have to do this alone. There's therapy. There's circle of friends. There's my community. If you're on Facebook, you can search hashtag hot mess success, all one word, community, and ask to join. You can friend me through there. My inbox is always open. But I need you to reach out. I need you to get out of your head. I need you to know that I know that this fight is hard, that it's exhausting, that sometimes it feels like Groundhog Day. But it doesn't always suck. You will have good stretches. Like I said earlier, don't think those good stretches mean that you're fixed and stop doing all the things. That's not what this is. Also, don't be surprised if you're doing really well, still doing all the things, and then... Your mental illness rears its ugly head because that's what it does. So we're always on the lookout. We're always on our A game and we're always doing the things. So let's talk about doing the things. I have done a lot of things. I'm going to rattle off some of my top faves and the ones that have helped me the most. Okay, so as much as you don't want to believe me, diet and exercise play a hella role in your mood. So I'm going to need you to start drinking water and eating good food. And when I say good food, I don't mean less food. And if you don't know what you should be eating, get your butt in my inbox and we'll talk about it. Send you the info you need to know, get you on your way. I do not diet. I lost 111 pounds between my girls and I'm, I don't know, down 40 something after my second. I don't 
diet, okay? That's not what this is. I used to think that I needed to eat less and work out more. That did not help my depression at all. It made it worse. Exercise is a great way to deal with depression and anxiety. It helps me so much. But if you're doing it right, you don't need that much of it. And I'm not saying 10 minutes. Unless you're doing the kind of workouts that I'm doing, I would say probably an hour. Mine, I get it done in 20 to 30 minutes at home. I love it. Let me know if you need it. But when I started incorporating exercise on a regular basis, it really helped. It was like a daily stress reliever, right? A safe place to let it out. And also, I started to feel stronger. And I needed that. I needed to feel stronger. I needed to have some victories, right? Because you're trying to retrain your brain. You're trying to fight that fight mentally. And so you need to give yourself tools and proof. So even if it's just walking your dogs around the neighborhood, I guarantee you, if you walk your dogs every day, that hill at the end is going to get easier for you to climb, for you to walk. And I need you to take notice of those things. It's one of the benefits of having a coach because we're always cheering you on and reminding you that you're doing awesome. But you can get that from a friend, from a neighbor. Just get, like I said, get an accountability partner. And now you guys start moving your bodies every day. 30 minutes a day, some kind of exercise, some kind of physical activity, okay? For you, you're gonna have to start doing things for you. You're gonna have to start believing you're worth it or acting like you're worth it before you believe it. I promise you can get to a point where you will believe it, but right now you just might have to do the things, okay? So more things, exercise, nutrition, water. So water, here's a good way to see if you're drinking enough water or how much water you should be drinking. You should drink half of your body weight in ounces. So right now, I weigh 145 pounds. So math is hard. I should be drinking 72 and a half. We'll just say 75 ounces, right? So I should be drinking 75 ounces of water every day. Here's a tip. I use my shaker mugs that are 25 ounces. It's so much easier for me to drink three of those than remember how many glasses of water I've had. Also, I drink water easier and faster when I drink it with a straw. So there's a couple tips for you on that avenue. I will tell you, if you're somebody who drinks no water, do not go from no water, zero to 60, because you can shock and drown your kidneys. So if you never drink water, I want you to start with 12 ounces and add on six to eight ounces a day until you get to your desired amount. Um, 
nutrition. You should have minimum, minimum is four servings of vegetables a day, four servings of protein a day, two carbs, one serving of healthy fats, one serving of nuts, seeds, oils, three servings of fruit, and then like some more like healthy fats and stuff. So that's minimum. That's the lowest bracket on our nutrition plan is four servings of vegetables and four servings of protein a day. Are you getting that? Because I know before I learned about this, I was not. I was seriously under eating. I was overeating on carbs and under eating on all the other stuff. And it matters. I wasn't fueling my body with the right stuff. And I already have a chemical imbalance in my brain, people. Not to mention my dumbass was poisoning it with booze. And I was also a cigarette smoker, the worst. So I was doing all of these awful things. And no wonder I'm unhealthy. I'm sick all the time. I, you know, it's just blah. You're always feeling blah, right? When you feel better, you do better. I'm not shitting you guys. So start eating like you give a damn about yourself, even if you don't, because you need to. And if you need a reminder, like I said, get your ass in my inbox or help with meals. I have that too. Free meal plans out the wazoo. No worries. Second, therapy we've talked about. We've talked about therapy and getting people in your corner. We talked about talking about it. Please talk about it. Take that first step. I talk to myself out loud all the time. I swear I like analyze my life. I don't know if I'm the only person who does that or not, but I will have whole conversations with myself out loud. But I'll tell you, it's always different when I talk to somebody else. And it was so helpful to be validated in therapy. Just that, just that I'm struggling and it's freaking hard. Like if you're struggling, didn't, didn't feel good to listen to me say those things. Cause you're like, oh yes, I am exhausted. Fuck yes, right? Okay. I'm also really big on essential oils. Look into a company. Don't ever, ever ingest oils that you buy in a store. Like a grocery store or TJ Maxx, Marshalls. Uh-uh, don't do it. I don't trust it for a second. Again, this goes back to the CBD. Quality, guys. Quality matters. You get what you pay for. Don't be cheap with your life. You are fucking worth it, okay? If you're diffusing, you might be able to get away with it. But if you're using them topically, I don't really recommend ingesting oils anyways, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But I'm big on diffusing them. I have a couple rollers and I diffuse. So I went to an oil party um, when I was very newly pregnant with Elsie and you can't take anything. And I was so used to taking meds, over-the-counter meds for everything. And so I am now like, I can't take anything other than Tylenol. Tylenol sucks. That's why you're allowed to take it. <laughs> Doesn't do anything. So... I went to this oil party and learned all these alternatives to meds. 
And I don't know if it's all the work or what, but I'm telling you, the more chemicals that I remove, the more chemicals and toxins that I remove from my life, the healthier I get both physically and mentally. I've done cleanses that have completely changed my mood. I was really struggling in a dark depression after the car accident about a month after. I couldn't snap out of it. I couldn't get out of this negative mentality. I was in so much pain. I couldn't, I was just like, how am I going to motivate people to work out? I can't fucking do anything. I was angry and bitter. And I was starting to go down a really angry path that this happened to me. And I didn't, I didn't want to go down there, guys. I didn't want to go down that path. Remember, I know how bad this fight can get. And I didn't, I didn't, mm-mm, I didn't want to fight like that. So I couldn't snap out of it. It didn't matter what personal development I did, what I did. And I knew that I had to add all these meds. I had had hardcore narcotics. I was maxed out on morphine the night I was in the trauma center. I remember them saying that because I remember saying that I was in so much pain and they told my family that I was already maxed out on morphine and pain meds. And I remember thinking, well, fuck, this is bad. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, so I had all this stuff in my system, right? And I had been a pretty, you know, I was already living this healthy lifestyle before that, eight months sober, remind you. And I had MRIs and I had CAT scans and I'm a firm believer in that shit leaves traces behind. And I did a three-day cleanse and I'm telling you, I woke up on that fourth morning, good as new, like back to the old me. I could, I snapped out of it. I was, I could be positive again. I, I mean, it, my pain was still there and all that stuff. I mean, it helped a little, all that stuff was the same, but I could see, right? I wasn't so clouded by the situation that I was in. I could see the light at the end of the tunnel again. That cleanse shifted everything for me and brought me back. It matters. Like all the shit you put in your body, all the stuff you surround yourself. It all takes its toll on us. This isn't a bunch of fluff. I don't say this just to say this because it's part of what I do. I say this because I have lived it and I've seen the changes. So take it as you want. Take it for whatever you want. But I highly suggest incorporating these things. So a couple of my faves, I love the Elevation Oil, Serenity, Lavender. I actually have a blend from my same woman who does the CBD. It's called Calm the Crazies. Um, I have a peace oil that I use, uh, and I and I like that. I have a lava bracelet that I put drops of oils on, and I can wear that throughout the day. I like the roller uh, bottles because I can put it behind my ears and on my wrists and have it throughout the day. I like essential oils because you can use them. It's kind of like my cannabis for me now that I have the card, is that I can use it as needed with an anxiety med or an antidepressant or anything like that. You take it one time a day and if you feel yourself getting worked up, there's, 
you know, you can't just take another one. And I like the oils because I can use the oils in the morning. And then if I'm sitting in rush hour traffic or I miss an appointment or whatever, some one thing goes wrong and my anxiety starts spiraling, I could use it again. And then again, if I need to at dinner time and then again at bedtime. So I like for me that I can use it throughout the day as many times as I want to. That's a benefit for me because I struggle with things all day long, some days more than others. I also like the oils because they're kind of an immediate thing. They do, you know, I do recommend getting yourself into habits and patterns with these things because this is, again, like I said, something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life, most likely. So it's best to just do these things all the time, but I use more oils in the winter. I use more oils when I'm having rough days, right? So some of that is nice that you don't always have to use your tools in medicine too, like when you use the natural things, like an anxiety or a depression med. And if you're on these, I'm not saying get off of them. I'm saying if you're not on them already and you want to start using these avenues, these are, you know, some differences and things like that. But you can't just you take your psych med um, during the week and be like, oh, yeah, I just don't want to take it on the weekend. You're probably going to like mess yourself up and you're never going to get the full effect and all the stuff like the brain chemistry. You just don't want to do that. Take it from me, somebody who is self-medicated on psych meds. Do what your doctor tells you to do. And if you feel that the side effects are too much or they're not working, you talk to your doctor before you alter your meds. Okay. And disclaimer, I am not a therapist or a psychiatrist. So again, take that with a grain of salt as well. In the winter, I use my light box. I start using it usually around daylight savings time because that's when we have less sun, less vitamin D. And for some of us, that causes depression. So the light box simulates the sun. You don't want to look directly at it. I got mine from Amazon. The one that I got is not currently available anymore, but you can look up Happy Light. And I think it's like 30 bucks or something. It's not, it's little, it's not that big. And you just have it next to you within two feet while you're putting on your makeup or brushing your teeth, drinking your coffee in the morning. You can take it in and have it at your desk at work if you work in an office. I do it in the morning. So what I do right now, I'm in the habit of getting up at 6 a.m. and having some PD or talking to my husband and drinking our pre-workout. And then we work out at 6.30. That's the plan. And then we get the girls ready and go on with our day. But I will probably have my light box on from 6 to 6.30 when I start using it. Like that's when I will use it. Or I will use it while I'm doing, I do some live videos in my challenge group after my workout. I would do it then. I recommend doing it in the morning because it does give you energy. I'll tell you a funny story. The first time I used it, I borrowed one off of my sister. And it was one particularly bad winter where I had quit my job. I wasn't even going to work. I was, it was so bad that I remember saying, okay, all you have to do tomorrow is take a shower. And can I tell you guys, there were days when I couldn't even do that. I'm telling you, I it's crazy 
that it can be that bad, but it is. I stopped going to work. I just stopped showing up for everything. I had to borrow money from my parents to pay rent. It was not a proud time for me. And yet, I wanted so badly to change and to fix it and to have energy and to want to do things. And I couldn't. And every night, I would have these great intentions. I would go to bed with positive intentions that I was going to do the things. And the next morning, it was all you have to do today is take a shower. Or it even got so bad that I was like, all you have to do today is brush your teeth. So I've been there. I've been there. But when I used the light boxes, when I was like, okay, maybe there is something to this winter blues thing that my sister had. So I borrowed her light box. I have two sisters, my little sister. And it was, I don't know, in the afternoon. And I used it, for, I think, for 45 minutes. I cleaned my entire apartment. I'm telling you guys, I hadn't done anything in like weeks. <laughs> and I cleaned my entire apartment. So it made me a little manic. <laughs> And I don't think I went to bed until like two or three in the morning <laughs> that night. So going forward, I use it in the morning because if I use it too late, I have trouble falling asleep. True story. So use it in the morning. See how you work, how it works for you. I like the ones that have a timer. Mine has a timer and I usually do 30 minutes. Mine has a 15, a 30 minute, and a 45 minute timer. If I'm just pulling the light box out and I'm trying to pull myself out of a funk, it might be 45 minutes. If I'm doing really well and I'm just maintenance, then it's more like 15 to 30, right? So you kind of see if that works for you, if that's something you wanna look into, Google it, right? Personal development. Well, this podcast is great and other podcasts like it, but I am going to recommend a few books from Audible. So I've already recommended, but if this is your first episode, Stop Doing That Shit, which is To End Self-Sabotage by Gary Bishop. I also, he also has Unfuck Yourself, which I really like too. And that's getting out of your own way. Uh, mastering Your Mean Girl could be a good one. The Last Lecture, not bad for putting things into perspective. I really like Take Control of Your Life. And I've mentioned that one already before too. That one is Mel Robbins. And what I really like about that one is because I can kind of sense my triggers of when my anxiety and depression, more my anxiety. My depression comes on more slow onset, but my anxiety, I can tell. And I've even been able to medicate myself out of anxiety attacks 
And so I have gotten really good at recognizing what is the first sign of my anxiety? Like, what is that first feeling? Is it a gut feeling for you? Is it a lump in your throat? Is it a racing heart? And then you have about 90 seconds until it starts spiraling. And sometimes she talks about this, that 90 second, that, that catch point. And if you can learn those cues about yourself, it definitely helps. I'm going on a trip in two days, I'm traveling to Utah with some girls for a leadership retreat. Whoop, whoop. But the same group, only larger, I was traveling with an indie in two months ago. And I don't know why, but getting ready for big events gives me so much freaking anxiety. And even looking back to my high school years, every single formal event, I showed up at my date's house crying or having just cried. Every single major event that I've had to get ready for, I have been an emotional mess. I think I even cried getting ready on my wedding day because it stresses me out. I don't know why. No clue. Sometimes these things like, I don't know if something happened or what. But maybe it's because we have three girls in our house and getting ready was always a little crazy because we had one bathroom, three girls, one mom. You do the math. But the only anxiety attacks I've had have been while getting ready and I was traveling. This was before I had my medical card. I couldn't take it with me when I was traveling. So traveling was hard on my anxiety because I didn't have what, what keeps me in control of those emotions. And we're getting ready in Indianapolis. This is two months ago. We're present time now. We're getting ready and I don't have the right outfit and I have to go back to my room and I know I'm going to be late for pictures and it's happening. It's happening. I can feel myself. I'm like fighting back the tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, Melissa, do not lose it. You're already late. You cannot show up to this amazing group of women falling apart for no reason, for no reason, right? And this is the anxiety. Like it makes no sense. However, I know me. I know that I can't talk to anyone. I know that I can't have any personal, like physical contact with anyone. So like no hugging the husband, nobody trying to calm me down, nobody trying to talk me off the ledge, none of it. I need silence. I need to take myself away. I need to do deep breaths and I need to use my cannabis. And I used my cannabis. I was not high or stoned in any way, but I walked up to the group and I said to my sister, I need a minute. And I think she could tell that I was on the verge of an anxiety attack. You have to be your advocate. You have to say, I need a minute. Give me some space. This is what I need. You need to know what you need. So you need to know what puts you together and what breaks you apart. You have to learn how to handle yourself. This is something that you're gonna have for the rest of your life. You need to learn your triggers. You need to learn how to pull yourself back and you need to learn how to pick yourself up if you break apart. You need to know these things and you need to have people in your life 
that understand that. And in order to do that, you have to talk about it. I have talked about those anxiety attacks that I had. Pretty sure my sister was there for both of them. <laughs> Nothing against her. We just travel a lot together. But I've talked about them since. And so when it was happening and I said that, she knew because she is the kind of, remember I said her anxiety is she wants to make sure everyone is okay. So her anxiety was probably telling her, swoop in, save the sister, save her from this pain, save her from what is about to happen. But I, as she was coming over to embrace me, said, I need a minute. Knowing that what I needed in that moment trumped what she wanted to give me. Do you hear me? As a recovered alcoholic, I know and I have to know that at the end of the day, the most important thing is me staying sober. And as someone who deals with mental illness, your number one job is to stay here with us, is to make it one more day, is to keep fighting the fucking fight. So I need you to figure out who you need in your corner, what you need in your corner, in order to be able to do that. Do you promise me that you will? Do you promise me that you will share this with someone who needs to hear it? Do you promise me that you will do your part to raise the awareness, the prevention, to let someone else know that you are there for them if they need you? You have no idea how powerful kindness can be when you're inside your own fucking head, when you're in your own worst nightmare. And someone extends kindness to you when you think you are the scum of the earth. It can be life-changing. So even if you're not dealing with this shit, know that someone else is every damn day. Every damn day, one out of three people you see or know are dealing with this and they probably aren't telling anyone. They need you. They need a safe place. They need this. I can't be this for everyone, but you can be this for people in your life. I want to emphasize on this one that if you're struggling at any point, it doesn't have to be suicide and awareness and prevention week. I want you to know that I'm always there to listen or to help guide you or to just understand, empathize. I'm the biggest empath ever. It's just so important to me that you know that you're not alone. You're never alone. And we don't want you to be alone anymore. So promise me, you're done with that shit. You're done with hiding it. You're done with pretending it doesn't exist. I never thought that I would be proud or grateful 
to struggle or deal with these things, but I am because I think it needs to be talked about more and I'm just someone who will do that. So I hope this was good, great. I don't know, shook life into you or something, something along that shit. <laughs> but that's it. That's all I have for you guys today. Spread the love. Spread kindness like confetti. Throw that shit around. And I'll see y'all next time.